Well, wow, we did it. 200 episodes. That was a fun one. I hope you enjoyed last week's sode. Um, this week's is also really, really cool. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But um, let me just tell you how stoked I am today, hours ago, from the time of me recording this intro, I got my Podular Modcast and Friends vinyl delivered in the mail. And I got to hold the first vinyl ever that has my music on it. Um, it's not quite my music. It's actually remixes of other people's music. Um, in fact, I remixed the very track that you're listening to right now. Uh, this is Space Cobra from Lisa Belladonna, and it is the first track on the record. Um, and it's, I mean, it's Lisa Belladonna. Come on. And you can hear all, how awesome that is. All proceeds go to Mary's Place, a charity here in the Northwest that helps women, children, and families get out of houselessness so you're going to get a cool record and you're going to help some people out who really need it uh there are i believe only like maybe 20 something copies left as of the time of me recording this um it's been so cool to see everybody posting about it on instagram today it's, it's very clear that a lot of us got ours on the same day so if you got yours post a pic and if you don't have yours yet head over to mysterycircles.bandcamp.com to pick that up I also want to take a moment to say thank you so much to Patchworks for your continued support of Podular Modcast, 200 episodes and beyond. Um, have you been to Patchworks, dear listener? Um, if you haven't, because you're not in the Northwest or even in the United States, you can always head over to patchworks.com to look at their lovely inventory that goes far beyond modular, even beyond synths, really. They've got studio gear. Uh, I got my Hydrasynth there. I got my Yamaha CP Reface there. I got my Arbar. I got my Morphogene. I got my Mimeophone. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I've, 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 I've put a lot... I've, put a lot of time in there in the showroom in both showrooms but man that new showroom is so nice so if you get a chance go check it out but again if you're not in the northwest head over to patchworks.com that's p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com to browse their lovely inventory and within that lovely inventory you're going to find a lot of stuff from our second sponsor for the day of course after later audio there's so much cool stuff that is in the works with After Later Audio that I can't tell you about. So I've just received the thing in the mail, right? You know, like I, I felt like all of 2020 um, and, you know, a lot of 2021 was me telling you about stuff um, or not telling you about stuff, telling you that I had a bunch of stuff that I couldn't tell you about. And then all that stuff kind of happened, you know, Pod Mod and Friends, the Bleep Bloop 2000. Um, there was a couple other things that I can't think of right now. Um, but now it's starting again because Lenny's been hard at work and I've been hard at work as well. Um, I'm going to have a new module coming out. And word on the street is maybe people want more bleep bloops. Is that a thing? Is that true? Um, anyways, head over to afterlateraudio.com to, to peruse the lovely inventory there. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to the carve module. Uh, the sample and hold track and hold is a very, very useful little 2HP voltage source. Um, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. You want, you want to get things nasty, get that dirty laundry. Anyways, afterlateraudio.com, thank you so much for your support. Let's get into this show. I hope you enjoyed this Lisa Belladonna track.
Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim, and this week we have Brian, aka Lightbath, back on the show. Um, and just like last time, Brian's going to actually play some of a patch and walk us through it, um, and then, you know, of course, perform it at the end. Um, but here's what's really cool if you were lucky enough to be at the Lightbath show here in Seattle last weekend, then. Um, you're going to hear him like talk about his whole setup that he used at that show. Um, and if you missed it, he is going to play a little bit at the end. I will tell you that it's uh, it's actually quite different than uh, what I saw him perform. And that's pretty cool. It shows how versatile he is. He's a wonderful, wonderful synthesis, great performer, really good charisma, all, all the stuff. It was just a well-rounded show altogether. Um, my buddy Duffy, what's up, Duffy, if you're out there listening, um, his project Hair Shield opened the show up, and then Giselle Garcia, Giselle Gabrielle Garcia, um, played in the middle. And, you know, of course, it was amazing. Giselle's awesome. Um, hoping to get Giselle on the show someday. Giselle, if you're listening, let's let's do it. Also, um, can you just like give me lessons on um, one of the 7,000 things that you're really, really good at? Um, starting with, with synthesis and maybe vocal looping, um, and then we can get to roller skating. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here. Um, this track that you hear under my voice is uh, also from the new Pod Mod and Friends vinyl out on Mystery Circles. This is Space Racer's track, Starbound. We've uh, met Space Racer before, not too long ago here on the show. Um, so yeah, today was a great mail day, but not only did I get the uh, the the vinyl, it was actually great. I, I, I went out for a drive because I'm listening to a mix of a new track and I like to, you know, listen to mixes in, in, in my car and in my headphones and just in different environments just to check them out. And uh, when I got back, there were two lovely boxes on my front porch, one of which contained my Pod Mod and Friends record and the other contained the Zorks 1U CV bus and the 1U CV bus expander. I am so excited for these new modules. Um, so basically what the, uh, the CV bus is, is a 1U bank of um, four molts, basically. So uh, there's four inputs, and then each one of those has four outputs. But here's the kicker. This is where it gets really, really cool. Each one of those banks of four outputs has attenuator, attenuverters on them, meaning you can, uh, if you have your, your pot in the center position, then you're not letting any CV through. If you turn it to the right, you are just basically attenuating that. Um, actually, if you turn it all the way up then and then down, that would be attenuating it. Um, and then if you turn to the left, you can bring that positive voltage into negative or vice versa. So very, very useful. And then this little expander here is called the silencer and it is a clickless 20 HP four channel performance silencing module. It lets you manually switch each channel on and off, thereby muting it. Um, and it has latching or momentary capabilities. There's also a mix out that sums all of the silencer's outputs into a single mono output. The last four outputs of the CV bus are normaled into the input. So if nothing is present at the inputs on the uh, the one you slicer, then your um, you the last four, that last bank of attenuated or attenuverted outputs will be normaled into that. Um, can use, be used for audio 
or CV or a combination of both. And what I was going to say earlier about uh, what I think is kind of genius about this is, well, there are there are two ba basically two of the most common case sizes are probably 84 and 104. The CV bus is 84. So if you have like, say, your 7U IntelliGel case, because it is IntelliGel size, you can plop this in there. Boom. Fills the whole 1U space. If you have 104 HP, well, just get that little expander. Boom. And you fill that whole row up. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a really, really good use of 1U space. So I'm very excited about it. And at the risk of going a little overboard with uh, just praising praising Zorks, uh, I just have to say that I think Ellison, um, Ellison Wolf over there at Zorks Electronics and Waveform Magazine, um, he's just a really, really He's got a he's got a great brain. He can think of really great ideas, um, and I think this is this is one of them. And I think the uh, the little zero HP, um, basically they're like these little attenuators, uh, the catenu the catenuators. I've talked about them before, and there's little LPGs. Um, they basically have these little screw standoffs where you can actually put them on your modules um, like and like screw your modular screws into these little standoffs and then they basically just sit right above the module and then you can have a bunch of attenuators that way too so um, because if there's one thing that I think every module should have but doesn't always have is attenuation for its outputs Okay, so I'm almost done with my, my rant about Ellison, but uh, I also just want to say that the new issue of Waveform is out. So if, you, uh, if you're not subscribed to Waveform Magazine um, and you're listening to this show, well, then you're missing out because it's, uh, it's just more modular stuff. Um, it's great. There's album reviews. Uh, there's a pretty glowing review of Tony Rolando's new record that we talked about on last week's episode. Uh, yeah, so if you're not subscribed, go check it out. Um, always good to support those in our community who are really uh, putting the work in and trying to bring us all together. And speaking of trying to bring us all together, um, I was contacted by Girl Circles, aka Faye. How's it going, Faye? Uh, to tell you all about Coils and Diaphragms, which is a sound archive for noise freaks, electroacoustic enthusiasts, and field recordists. It's modeled after the cassette network of the early noise and experimental community. Members can share field recordings and sound samples as material for experimental purposes. Samples may also be processed from synthesizers, cassettes, or other destructive or constructive means. Uh, the group can be found by searching the name Coils and Diaphragms on Facebook and hopefully will be expanded or moved to other platforms in the future. So I imagine a lot of people out there listening um, would be interested in something like that. It sounds pretty cool. And it's been a while since somebody's uh, reached out to me to, to have me promote something like this or a new uh you know modular group or anything so i just want to take this uh, moment to remind everybody that if you have something going on and you're trying to find more people in your area and you want uh you want me to help try to find them if i can uh maybe some people there are listening that you don't know who knows hit me up on instagram or email podmodcast at gmail.com this track here is from my buddy Josh Lim, a.k.a. Leninjaya, and it is also off the Mystery Circles Presents Podular Modcast and Friends vinyl. I've yacked enough, so why don't I stop yakking now 
and then we'll get into listening to me yakking in the past with Brian. Um, but it's before the show. It's so it's further in the past than the show that I already went to uh, this weekend, but it was before the show. And I'm actually, if you're listening to this right, like right now, well, then I'm in the past because I recorded this and then I uploaded and see the thing is, with again, time, I've done it I've had gigs. somebody totally lose it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, it's happened to me like, yeah, when I was playing music um, oh, and, uh, you know, I was doing two cameras and audio and it happened at the wedding I played in Ojai. I was so oh, bummed. Boy. We did two sets and I recorded the second set and uh, forgot the audio on the first set. And the first set was, in our opinion, I was collaborating with a cellist, Chris Votek, who was awesome, um, who's an LA based uh, cellist and like Hindustani musician. And I forgot to hit record. I had two cameras oh, to deal no. with and it was like wedding planner, <laughs> making sure that we're doing things at the right time and giving us an okay and then telling us to wait. And then I just like got all flustered and totally forgot to go bloop. Wait, so, I want to hear more about this. How you play, you, you played modular synth with a cellist at a wedding. I did. It was the coolest thing. Do you know Vol? during the ceremony or? Yeah, yeah. For the ceremony, it's part what? of the ceremony. So what? the the uh, and and a little after you know cocktail hour um, uh-huh. was the second set. So do you know Vol? He was just on. One, like, it wasn't SNL, but it was like one of those, it, playing with the Crystal Method. He was like backing up the Crystal Method. Oh wow! Uh, recently on TV, so. Val makes music. He's a producer. Wait, did we talk about this in the, the last time? No, we, we didn't because, okay. okay, so I'll, I'll rewind here. So, um, so yeah, last fall, like September or something like that, I went down to Ojai outside of LA to play this wedding. And, and this was a follower of mine, uh, artist named Val V A A A L three A's Val like Wall, and yeah, he's a producer. Makes really great music. Recently played on TV, backing up the Crystal Method. So like, <laughs> you know, he's serious. Yeah. And um, yeah, he he was just like, hey, I I I'm into your music, and I want modular synth at my wedding. And I was like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing. And he also uh, hired a local cellist, an improviser. Um, Chris Votek is his name and he plays like Hindustani music on the cello like rugs and stuff and it was very cool and he was such a great improviser like he's a true improviser like we just showed up we had never played together and the way the the curation Val David curated this wedding set this cocktail hour and this like pre-ceremony music was just like hey you two get together and let's play some music and i'm like okay let's do this so yeah um chris was just so great to play with because i could set you know how it is when you're playing modular synthesizer you have some stricter boundaries maybe than like other instrumental improvisers who can go anywhere at any point Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like who have the internal facility to be able to like change keys change feels change rhythms change whatever you're agile but being Mm -hmm. agile is one of the biggest challenges with modular synthesis probably and so you know chris was able to kind of follow me as needed and he understood how to take the lead and how much I could follow him. Um, we just had like a little bit of a conversation beforehand and just went for it. And the sets turned out so great, but 
the thing is, is, you know, the whole, in this whole thing of forgetting to hit record, I had multiple <laughs> cameras to juggle and other things to deal with. And I, I forgot to record that first set, which was the more chill, like good one that we wanted to make a video of. So I have yet to uh, go through that second set to, to edit it and put it out. Um, but then again, I'm pretty behind on all of my yeah. releasing of things. <laughs> I still haven't put out Mogfest 2019. And then up after that is this Brooklyn show that I did, um, I've seen like a month after or something like that. And that, that's got to go out. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And plus you're like making new stuff as you're going along as well. So and like, see, I used to, it used to all be, con uh, there, there was continuity to, mm -hmm. to my videos. Like I wanted it to be, uh, linear pretty much. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, and so right now my live performance videos are, there's continuity to that, but there's a bifurcation. There's like a, um, timeline split where I have parallel timelines now where the uh, like studio pieces and things that I'm putting out or educational pieces are real are much more current. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I have like recent videos like <laughs> joy of patching Two. I did this winter and mm -hmm. I'm going to be releasing uh, on April 22nd. This podcast is probably coming out after that, but on April 22nd, two days from now, I'm going to release this um, little studio piece I did using the ML2 module, the uh, missing link. Do you, are you familiar with this? It uses Ableton I'm Link. Sure. It's a sync oh, module. So, for, yes. It's a little 2HP mm -hmm. sized sync module for your rack that connects to your Wi-Fi and allows Ableton Link to sync up. And it's a, it's a cool way of syncing. Like I used to yeah. do it just by like sending MIDI from PAMS to a MIDI interface and having Ableton slave to that. But having the option, you know, just with Link is is a little easier. It's just cool to not have cables, you know? And so, yeah. yeah. yeah um, so I made a little video with that uh, using this new setup that I developed for this for this wedding, actually. Because this, this wedding was like the last <laughs> time so like late summer, like August, I spent, you know, a few weeks preparing for that set. And it had been, you know, forever since I had played live and I wasn't really like working on music a lot. I, so, so here I'm on a few streams here, a few parallel streams, but <laughs> I moved to Oregon. I moved to central Oregon last April. So it's been a year. I've been here for a year. Are you in sisters? I'm in Sisters. I'm in Sisters, Oregon. Oh, yeah, outside that place of Bend. Is oh, that's magic. right. You, were, you this, we talked about this. You know, yeah. you know, you've been to Sisters. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I was there for New Year's Eve and New Year's. Uh, uh, let's see, it was twenty to twenty-one. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's like such. A, it feels like a campground here. I really. Yeah. Like yeah. I look out my. I've got these huge windows. So the studio, you can see right now how much sun is like coming mm -hmm. into this place. I've got so much amazing light. Like it doesn't, I, this is the best studio. This is the best like place I've lived in. And it even beats Fancy Town in New York when I briefly <laughs> lived in an expensive place for six months with my uh, partner at the time. Um, but so, but yeah, so to, to bring the stream back. So I moved here and I, I didn't um, focus a lot on my music because the last mm -hmm. time i was on this podcast we talked about how like i'm about to change gears i'm about to move into this studio practice i want to make an album you know i want to we talked a lot about content and what it means to be a content creator and like art versus content or whatever you know and mm -hmm. independent mm -hmm. artist versus content creator and i'm still in that on that path but i didn't make as much progress on it as I thought I was going to. I just wasn't ready. And moving here, I took a lot of time to kind of like just set up this place and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and 
then I was like focusing on just health and wellness. Like I was just riding my bike a lot I because I can say, ride to really the trails. Biking. I, I, yeah. yeah, you can see like I'm putting out videos about biking now. Mm-hmm. But like I, I literally don't have to bring my house keys. I bring my garage door opener on these rides and I ride straight out of the garage and I'm right next to these local trails, which aren't amazing trails, but there's like... They're like green level trails. So if you know your your bike level mm-hmm. trails, they're they're easy trails with just a few challenging sections and like a, a blue section with some technical like lava rock kind of stuff. But there's this like black diamond climb up this little uh, like mini mountain called uh, Eagle Rock, and that's a really challenging climb. And I can't clean the whole. Th- I can go. I can make it all the way up the one way. Like the on the west side, I can climb the whole thing and make it to the top and descend the the east, and I'm great with that. But climbing the east is so challenging. I actually worked <laughs> on it yesterday. I spent like an hour or more just sessioning this 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 one session that gets me the section that gets me every time, and it, it was exhausting. Uh, but <laughs> I eventually got over every obstacle, but not all in one run. I still can't clean it all in one run but like so there's technical stuff like that and then there's these little offshoots off of the trail it's called peterson ridge trail system and there's a couple offshoots that are like unsanctioned that are like black diamond level so you get either easy trail and then these really hard little technical (laughs) things so i sessioned all the technical stuff yesterday i I like worked on all the it was like practicing right it was just like Uh let me just work on the stuff that's been getting me and i put up that video on my instagram of that log climb you can't see from that video but the log is like i don't know like three three feet high off the ground or something like that and it's on an incline so uh-huh. you have to pedal the whole way to climb it. And that would always mess me up and I'd get scared and I would like bail and jump off the bike. And I finally just learned to like, you can get pretty far off the edge. And if your tires, if like the side knobs on your tires are hitting that, you're gripping just fine. So I learned that like, it's not as dire as I thought. Like there's a lot more wiggle room. <laughs> and so I learned to climb it and because descending, it was always easy. You could coast down it. And so right, there's one, right. you know, that you, you can balance easier when you're coasting, but when you're pedaling, you have to learn to like keep your weight centered. So yeah, I worked on Especially that yesterday. Especially like pedaling without momentum. If you're pedaling uphill yeah. without the momentum, every pedal has the you know, I know that feeling of pedaling yes. uphill. It has the ability to jerk you into the left or right. You squirrel be, all around. And you can see yeah. that on the video, too, because I'm not like an amazing skinny type, skinnies type rider where people ride these tiny little rails, you know, like uh, my tire goes like a little weird, but I just <laughs> I correct. And it's all about little corrections, which is mm-hmm. kind of what I learned when I um, had that vertigo issue, which I don't think we talked about on the last. Not, that doesn't sound on the last familiar, episode. No. I, it's been a couple of years since I had that issue, but um it was like from eye strain and poor posture. Like I, um, I was like jutting my chin forward and that kind of like bend of the neck thing. I see you. And let me guess, in front of a monitor editing yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and teaching guitar because I taught guitar uh-huh. for many, many years, and it was just my like guitar posture to lean way forward uh-huh. to get a better reach for my wrist. But I didn't realize I was messing up my neck, and so years of that got to the point where it there was a tipping point and I had started developing vertigo and had eye strain and had eyesight problems. And if you, I mean, I'm wearing reading glasses right now. I now have mm-hmm. computer <laughs> glasses, uh, to, 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 to make that easier, but I didn't have good balance for a while. And I learned that the little micro corrections are basically what balance is, you know, uh-huh. and then eventually you get stronger. Like all of this riding that I've been doing, my 
ankles, my legs, everything has gotten so much stronger that I can stand on one foot way easier now than before. Mm, yeah. Like I tend to like put on my socks, like standing up now, you know, <laughs> I just do all these like yogi moves because it's, it it's just seems normal now. So yeah, but I, that was like, there a, was a, a long time I was trying to do that. Um, just to maintain the ability to do that, you know, yeah. like standing up to, to put on socks or yeah. taking every staircase two steps at a time or so, you know, like just doing all that. And then, yeah, I stopped doing it. And now like when I try to do that stuff, I'm like, Oh, I should have, should have kept doing that. <laughs> it's, this is kind of how, this is kind of the thing that I'm getting at with, like I moved here and I was really focusing on like physical wellness and how mm -hmm. physical wellness can uh, uh, trickle down <laughs> over totally. into all the yeah. other wellness and emotional wellness and, and mental wellness and all of that. Like I was just like riding all the time. And then that feeling of progression, that feeling of like the way you get better after time, like I, especially even just cardio, like I, I could see my rides like increasing in mileage, increasing in elevation, increasing in time and my, you know, like segments getting faster as I record all the rides on Strava. Strava mm -hmm. is like, are you familiar with Strava? You know Strava? Yeah. You have to, Strava is like this platform, kind of like a social media platform, but not like, you know, Instagram or anything like that, where uh, different uh, physical activities, people record those things so if they're running if they're climbing if they're riding bikes if they're skiing snowboarding whatever all the things okay. it tracks you and it shows you on a map like for a ride for example like where you rode how many miles you rode how much elevation gain how much elevation loss um if you have like fancy heart rate stuff or like a an apple watch or something like that or you know like a garmin or something it'll record all of those that data too so you can really use it for training and stuff but for me like I, I would like see these segments and I'd be like, oh man, I'm fourth place in this segment. Like of all the people that wrote it now that granted that did not, that does not happen to me when I'm in Bend, Oregon, like, <laughs> because Bend is such a, like the pro, there's so many pros ride there. Yeah. Like I'm in like 10,000th yeah. place, like in a lot of the trails in Bend, <laughs> but like some of the less ridden trails up here were just the locals ride. I'm, I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm up there, but like, so I'll compete well, against my Well, that's a motivator own... in itself there too. Like, exactly. oh, I want to get to third now or something. Exactly. Like so I'll yeah. compete either externally that like semi, -ex uh, like external motivation there or just the internal motivation of this was my last time I just got a personal record. I got a PR on this one. Like, yeah, I'm doing better. <laughs> like, like I pushed just as hard as I have before, but it seemed easy this time. Oh, look at my time. I was actually faster. And so those metrics like really uh, encouraged me to just like keep going. And yeah. so it's, I got really I, into it. Yeah. I love that. The, uh, that trickle down thing is, is true that there was a, there was a summer I was skating a lot and it was also the year I'd quit smoking cigarettes. And, um, my wife and I went on this hike and it wasn't like a hard hike, but it was just, it was uphill the whole time. And like an hour into it, I realized I hadn't got out of breath yet. Wow. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. I've been comfortable and breathing normally this whole time. That's a new and zone. Like, oh, quit, quit, quitting smoking helped a lot. And also yeah. the cardio from skating and stuff. But it's yeah. fun when that you, you get a literal, payoff like yeah. without thinking about it it just kind of like presents itself to you and you're like oh, yeah cool and, and then yeah. you may think the same thing happens with music too that's happening with me lately in modular i think i'm getting better i'm finally like reaching a new level i think um 
which is so rewarding, you know? I felt the same thing. So I was talking about the wedding, right? You know, and so mm -hmm. the last time that I prepared for music, because I've been focusing on all of this physical activity and stuff, like finally by August, like I, you know, April, May, June, July, I'd been here like four months. And finally come August, I started like, practicing music again trying to you know it's like it, i needed that external motivation of like okay here's a game that's a I daunting get ready one for too it. yeah not only is it a live show but it's one where you have to improvise with somebody you've never improvised before on top of that during a wedding that's like what a that's a hell of a motivator. you gotta keep the vibes on for yeah. that you can't <laughs> right, get right. too weird you know yeah. like and i actually had some weird stuff happening i had some gremlins in the case because i was using my submodular 12 view for that i kind of went all the way i was just like bringing all the things because <laughs> mm -hmm, i just mm -hmm. wanted because i knew we were playing for like two hours total so okay. i needed new material so i like you know made a bigger system but there was some weird gremlins in it where i had like the whole thing would pitch warble like 10 cents 15 cents 30 cents out like really far out yeah yeah and i couldn't explain why and it did it during the set and <laughs> like oh well oh, no. it's sounding a little weird right now but there's nothing i can do about it but you know i'm oh, no longer boy. using that system to play live i'm back to the 7u i'm you know i can fit more in it now um mm -hmm. in fact i was using uh the reason another reason i was using the big system then is i was using the new version of at that point the new version of color wheel uh william brewer's uh color wheel sequencer basically that mm -hmm. that he wrote in teletype for me um it was a concept he had been like it was his prototype for it but he made me a teletype one because i was like hey like i've got this gig coming up do you want to like do this thing we've been talking about and it's a it's a sequencer that's loosely built off of the monom uh Kriya sequencer okay. that's on ansible so it's the sequencer i've been using like if you see like most of my everything that I've done that doesn't use Renee pretty much in the past, you know, years has been with Kriya. I used to pair that with marbles. Like marbles and Kriya were kind of my like two main sequencers. Kriya being very grid like and structured and marbles being freer. And Kriya is very cool because it's kind of based off of the Suzanne Chiani approach. If you've seen the uh, proposal to the National Endowment video or video PDF that she video i'm like such a youtuber <laughs> Every, it's always like everything's a video no but like she in like 1970 there's this pdf of of her grant proposal and she describes in great detail this bukla system that she sorted out this like patch this performance patch that was her like main thing and still is her thing. Like there's videos, mm -hmm. there are videos actually of her uh, <laughs> talking about this in uh, recent years, you know, and it's, it uses basically two Buchla sequencers. One of them, that, that really big one that each channel has like three, it's kind of like pressure points. It's each channel mm -hmm. has three knobs with three offset values that are unquantized. And it just like, I think it's three and it just steps through however many 16 steps or something like that. Right. And she was adding that to whatever, like the more normal sequencer was for the booklet. I can't remember any of these. I'm not enough yeah, into the book. I, I don't yeah. really know any of this stuff either. And they're all like E 30, you know, they, they're all numbers. Not, I know it's yeah, the hardest yeah, yeah. thing to remember, but whatever the case, the concept of it is brilliant. So the fact that she's adding, she's summing two sequencers together, that sequencer with all the knobs becomes an octave offset 
sequencer that will phase with her other sequencer. So mm -hmm. she has a melody happening on the other sequencer with however many steps. Let's say the melody has six steps to it. Mm -hmm. And then she has this octave sequencer going at like, oh, let's just say 10, <laughs> at 10 <laughs> steps. And so, well, actually, I, I don't even know the math implications of that. I was just going to say it was 60, but I bet there are, actually, it would take all 60 for it to come around, at least, for it to phase around. 60 repetitions for, mm -hmm. the, for both of them to start back at the same place. So in other words, if you do it that way, a 10-step plus a 6-step sequence, and they phase together, you're making a complex sequence that is 60 steps long. So mm -hmm. she would do that kind of thing. She would offset notes by octave and so Kriya is is based on that where you can set the step length and you can set the clock division of each track but not only of each track within each track the rhythmic gates versus the pitches mm -hmm. versus the octaves versus some other uh lesser parameters uh like note length or gate length or like um in, in our version of Color Wheel, uh, because it also does MIDI uh, velocity. So mm -hmm. you can have all of these different um, like parameters phase upon one another. So you can create extremely complex sequences, Seemingly long sequences. Seemingly random, but not technically right. random. Exactly. Yeah. It feels mm -hmm. more random the more numbers you use together uh, to, to phase upon one another, the more random it feels. But if you listen to it long enough, you realize it's actually repeating. And I love that sweet spot of of like, I used to call it wrangled random, but this isn't wrangled random. Like round, wrangled random is like marbles where you're like limiting the notes that it could play and it might randomly, you know, play them slightly differently over time. But like this feeling of complexity that is too much for you to catch on one repetition, but you listen mm -hmm. to it for five minutes and then you start to recognize little bits of it. That's the sweet spot. It's like spot. positive chaos or like, yeah. <laughs> Um, I try to do that with modulation sources, you yeah. know, with, with switches or, or whatever, you know, just using, you know, just you can you can actually get there pretty quickly with the, a couple of the right modules and oct being one of my favorites to do that with because it's those eight different LFOs that aren't really linked right. with each other, but they yeah. kind of are. And if you're just kind of introducing those every once in a while. And uh, yeah, it's, you can create this seemingly random thing, but if you, yeah, it, and that sweet spot is hard to find because you stretch it out too long and then it just does, it, it just has the same effect as being random. So yeah. yeah, just, you really want to find that sweet spot where you want people to catch on, but it can't be too obvious. So yeah, that's, that's a. That's I keep tough. those numbers lower, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but even so just phasing the time cycle on a melody versus its own gates so in other words mm -hmm. the melody is moving faster than the gates so it's going to end up skipping melodic notes depending on when it actually fires that's usually a really interesting one where then your mm -hmm. rhythm is fairly repeating right, uh, right but right. then this melody keeps like turning on itself within it but then there's also probability controls on mm -hmm. on Kriya and on Color Wheel. So then it even starts feeling more random in that what are you removing? What are what are you what are you like omitting each each time? Right. 
But mm-hmm. so Color Wheel is built around that, and it was a teletype script, and I, I needed a lot of space to fit in teletype and all this other stuff. And now with the new case that I'm preparing, because, you know, I'm back in preparation zones again, right? So mm-hmm. I was in preparation mm-hmm. zones last August, did this, like, thing in Ojai, this wedding in Ojai, and was amazing, and then went down to play a friend's uh, birthday party in, in Joshua Tree and did a set, like a sunset set there, and it was an awesome that that, that experience yeah, that was so great. great. It was let's just say it was a little like it wasn't like full on Burning Man style, but just for <laughs> what that means, you know, it was a little bit like a Burning Man type party. So yeah, it was I really great to bring uh-huh. music to something like that. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, but so I did that, and I and I traveled up and down the West Coast and like stopped at Morro Bay and rode the bike and shot a video on the beach and stopped at uh big sur and shot mm-hmm. a video and big sur like with the the background of the cliffs and the ocean and everything so i have all these videos to to like work on but that was the last time i came up with this new approach and this mm-hmm. new approach is using a lot of prepared reels on morphogene uh okay. same thing goes for this new video i'm putting out in a couple days it's prepared reels on morphogene things that i've played on like keyboard instruments using like contact instruments and stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know so like very non-modular sounds acoustic sounds and like very polyphonic sounds and and textural things and field recordings and all sorts of stuff and i manipulate that in morphogene through clouds through a filter then into clouds and i manipulate clouds so i have these like two granular layers that i can Mm -hmm do stuff with and then every other voice in the case has a clouds on it (laughs) (laughs) except for one right now but i'm going to be switching it around once i get um shakmat sending me uh the dual dagger and i want to i want to i've heard very good things about it and jonathan ellinger uh what we talk about in um in seattle also part of these basement state uh part of basement state actually um Uh uh-huh Basement State being the show that I'm doing uh, on April 30th in Seattle at uh, the Good Shepherd Center, the chapel space at the Good Shepherd Center, um, headlining this right. show. First headlining show of Light Bath that wasn't part of a festival because I headlined a thing at Mogfest 2019. Like I had a show that um, Mylar Melodies opened and then I played uh, a set. But this is the first like ticketed proper nice. single show nice. for light bath i feel great about it i'm grateful to basement state and and uh brian who uh organizes that brian barrett barrett i think yeah. right yeah. yeah he's he's a great guy i love brian it seems like it, he told me he reached out to me and said that when his second child was born uh they were playing light bath in the delivery room oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah that was so amazing so that was our intro to setting the show up i'm like oh, oh yeah. that's pretty okay cool. that's that's a special yeah. feeling <laughs> so, so exactly so i'm getting ready for this and i'm 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 basing it around this this morphogene thing but the fact that every voice uh, eventually every voice is going to have a clouds on it so this is a clouds that i can repitch so there's a lot I was gonna of ask, is it just one in there and you're kind of like using switches no, to get no it's different four signals? clouds okay i've got every one of my clouds like in the case that you're going to hear later on today in this i won't have that fourth clouds but i have um a micro cell on my main like just friends polysynth voice i have a micro clouds on the morphogene and i have a beads on rings 
And then okay. later I'll have the OG clouds on my like Yamaha TG33 um, sound <laughs> little tone generator thing. But it's it's allowing for tons of abstractions. So not only am I abstracting these sequences like we're talking about in Color Wheel, where I have like a seed of just like so many notes and other elements phase over it to abstract it. I can also abstract it by running it like fully wet through clouds and now rhythm is completely different rhythm is like however clouds is pinged however it's triggered or whatever you know and i and and repitching it up and down by fifths and octaves and things like that really just like blows everything apart so i've been ma- doing these blast radio streams blast radio is like this kind of newish thing uh it's just like live broadcasts that persist for 24 hours and then it's gone you know that's kind of a cool thing so in preparation they sent me one of these little blast boxes which is a little hardware unit that lets you just stream straight from it as long as it's charged up you just hit the record button and it puts whatever audio you feed into it straight to your blast radio page and it's kind of nice having a, a hardware solution to do streaming like to not have to open up the computer and configure things and you just hit it and you're done yeah so i've done these little these little sessions leading up to this this show as i prepare for this like completely unscripted like i don't know what's going on i'm just learning my system here's the here's the zone that i found last night let me start with that and see where it goes so i've done three of them so far and uh and you know i've i've realized i've used the same sequence in color wheel <laughs> for all three sets and they feel completely different and the third set was actually two hours long it was like wow. a full long form it was the longest set i've ever played i've never tried to go slow but i was like taking my time with it and like i literally shot an instagram promotional video like with my black magic camera and put it into resolve and edited it during the set (laughs) and posted it to Instagram, like during the set. So I would just let something go and just let it go for a while and then go do something. And so I was, you know, it's not how I would play a fully active, like conscious set because I was like tuning out at points. Um, But I found some zones in that. And so actually here, check this out. So this is right in alignment with what we talked about last time. I was like saying I'm getting into like new music and new music zones and stuff. So to, to fully recurse here, like I was preparing last August. That brought me to this new place of using morphogene samples like as sort of a focus point. Mm-hmm. a focal point to build this modular stuff around and now come you know april 2022 i'm now preparing for this seattle show that's coming up in a couple weeks less than a couple weeks next week i guess by the time that or in a <laughs> day or two by the time this air what do you know what day is this is actually air? it will be this will be post show unfortunately but oh, i it's thought post there's something gotcha. cool with this okay sure We'll, anybody who is at the show will now get to hear the patch breakdown of what they saw played live. I got you. So we can, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So I think so. So post show, yeah. then all right, then fair <laughs> enough. But so, so you know, I uh, will promote it though on next week's episode. Okay, okay, thank you. Because uh, I so, like to help the help all my friends out. So. Appreciate it, appreciate it. So so I'm I'm preparing you know for for this thing, and uh, oh wait wait wait. Did I, did I, wait, oh, I've been so good juggling multiple streams of thought on this so far. We've been talking talking about earlier, uh, preparing. Oh yeah. Musical process. Uh, So, so like working on musical process. So I did this blast radio stream, uh, Mm -hmm. this recent one, this two hour thing, and there are two zones in it 
that when I listened back to it, I was like, I think, cause I'm multi-track, right? My current mm-hmm. modular setup is such that my mixer is a, is a mix pre, is a sound devices mix pre. So I have like actually 10 inputs on that that can be multi-tracked. So um, at any point I just hit record and that's potential studio fodder for later, you know? So mm-hmm. I have this thing multi-tracked and there were two zones in it that were really good. And I was like, this is the new thing. I'm, I'm, I finally hit some new stuff. I feel this is, this is like the best I've done yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think I finally, I now have started my album work. I think, I think two oh, of those nice. pieces will, will be on the album. I think I'm going to edit them because they're super long. Like, I, I don't know how long, like the, the second zone started in like hour two of this thing and, and it went for, half of that time so it's probably like a half hour of like this one zone and it's not gonna be a half hour on the album but like edited down to maybe five to ten minutes you know Mm -hmm. so uh but the feeling of having been aiming for years for more than half of a decade at making a proper studio album and i finally done it and i think i figured out the secret and that is this (laughs) I am inspired by playing live in some sort of way. And what would happen before is I would always play live for the camera and the camera was for YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm doing these blast radio streams so there's no camera on. So I'm I'm not committing to a video. I'm saying nope, no video. It's basically a window into a studio practice. So it's Mm -hmm. basically a studio session, except there are live listeners, which kind of like excite me in a certain way and get me to like do something different. For some reason, it just feels different. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. I know that feeling for sure. Um, That's funny because I, and this is, it's a totally different, but I, different approach, but I feel like I have recently just stumbled onto um, what I want to do for an album as well. And it also includes morphogene, but I've, and I've been, and, and it re- includes long recording sessions with, um, I actually set it up to be somewhat generative. So I set up these different patches that are finally sa- starting to sound like what I want to make on the modular synth. And I record it and I set a, uh, I set a, a stopwatch for 20 minutes and then I go do something. And then I come back. And I, oh, wow, it sounds different than the last time I was here. And then I change some parameters and just jam on it for a second and get it to another part I like, another 20-minute stopwatch. And then what I do is I go, th- now I'm cool. going through and listening to all these to find the chunks that I like yeah. that I actually want to play some live instruments over. Yes. So, yeah. That's so it. That's exactly have, we're, it. We're I'm looking similar, at the same thing. Similar things. I'm looking to like overdub, like do normal like studio process mm-hmm. if yeah, same. a section mm-hmm. needs something. And I don't know yet because I haven't gotten a chance to listen to the multi-tracks, you know, to, to check it. I just listened to my like blast radio archive of it, you know, mm-hmm. and and but that that feeling of like, well, this is the foundation, though. This is like the vibe. And I've set that and now I can expand that because exactly, sometimes like getting yeah. started yeah. can be the hardest thing. And I think that's why I'm an improviser. Like I just I just have to say, like, OK, people are listening right now. So it's game time. Like, go. Mm-hmm. But like the, yeah, the feeling yeah. of being in the studio and like getting started, I, I don't know. I, it's harder to to commit to it. Like I thought I was going to like rehearse these last few days since doing this last stream, I did the stream on the 15th. And it's been five days since then, now that it is 420 today. And <laughs> so I, and I never, I never rehearsed anything and somehow just telling myself, okay, I'm going to do a blast stream, like is, is enough to then just fire me up and do it. It's yeah. kind of like 
performing today. Like we're going to play something here on the podcast. Like the fact that we're just saying now go, it, that works. So your timer, it's like Pomodoro almost. It's like the Pomodoro technique. Are you familiar? I, I with don't that? know. I, no, I'm not. I just something I've been doing lately, but it's like a the 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 tomato the little t- tomato timer for the kitchen like you oh, okay. it, but the pomodoro <laughs> is like a it's a it's a um productivity like hack kind of thing where you say i'm going to do a half hour of x you turn on the timer it's going so now is your time to focus entirely on that and do entirely that thing and when the timer is over you're done that doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. I usually like to go longer. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got like a bunch of like stuff that I'm trying to do at the same time right now. I'm just like my interests are are legion, you could say, and uh, so it's it's like I have to kind of. All right, I'm going to record this. I'll work on this for a little bit, but while I'm doing that, I'll work on this painting. And then when you know, but the paint, it's it's almost it's harder to stop doing that than it is with music. I probably because I'm just like super into it right now. But um, yeah. We, yeah, I, we have such yeah. varied interests, don't we? We talked yeah. about this last time. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we still, cause I'm still making videos and I'm still riding bikes and I'm still like starting to make music kind of, you know, and how do you do all the things? Yeah. I, it's well, I try to do like, so I got super into painting for a while for a few months and I was doing it like, like too much. It was, I was starting to neglect other things in my life, like responsibilities. And stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, cause I was just so into it. And, um, but recently, um, I don't, it was just kind of a combination of a few things, beta testing some new stuff, including a module that I'm, um, I'm helping design cool. and then, uh, really like talking with Tony Rolando, um, you know, and just like really that, that kind of jazzed me to like really dive into the morphogene more because I love it so much and I really want to try to learn as much as I can about it so that reignited this this joy of wanting to get into music so now the painting thing is kind of gone by the wayside because I, all I want to do is patch and what from what I, I just try to follow whatever it is that's really getting me at the follow time. So the activation like, yeah that exactly. was our that was our theme from the last episode yes yeah I mean that's I think that's what you have to do because I think it's forcing anything is never fun yeah that's why you don't like your day job because you have to do it. Cause it yeah, you exactly. Know? Cause you're forced to do it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I, um, I, I was feeling guilt, I guess, like mm-hmm. self guilt about yeah. having moved here and not, and been like, I'm going to make doing the thing in the winter that I did every year for like three years where I was like in the summer, I'm making the album. And I would like tell <laughs> yeah, people right. that, like literally told a label that was asking me about it. Like, and this was like <laughs> two or three years ago now. And I'm hoping there's still game when I finally have music for them. But like, so, you know, like saying, I'm going to do this. And then it didn't happen, you know, and I focused on other things and that feeling of relief of like, Hey, I finally arrived and I arrived naturally without trying. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is the, that's the secret because it was just following the activation, just doing, doing what's right. That that will be palpable in the finished product, whatever that may be, whether it's your new times on your, your, your rides or your new video (laughs) or your new set, like that translates at least I think to the, like, I feel like I feel that from artists. I feel like I can tell when they've like really hit something and, and they did, they did it at the right time. But I think as a creator, when you can stand back and look at your finished product, that feeling of, of being proud or just happy that you did it and the, the joy of the experience, like that's going to be the big part, the remembering the joy of the experience. And I think all of that is, 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 is why we do it, you know? So like, 
it's it's i don't know yeah this, this has me thinking about when, when we're talking about sort of the the create like we did last time like the content creation versus you know making music andrew huang put out mm -hmm. a video like last week and he's talking about kind of that and he's uh -huh. giving advice saying basically focus on one thing and do that thing really well he's like this is your recipe for success if you want to be a musical artist focus on your music and make make like one type of thing almost you know like really focus even what kind of output you do like your mm -hmm. your brand like that which is the opposite of what andrew huang did so he was kind of like reviewing his history and how he got to where he is and he's really into tons of different types of music and so every musical release is like completely different so he says you know he like loses as many followers as he gains every time he like put something out yeah. there you know and then how so he decided to focus on youtube was his conscious decision he was like well this is the singular platform where i can do a similar thing almost all of his videos were similar in one way or another but it provided a container for all of his like different types of musical interests to to go into and he's he's i'm watching that video and he's like preaching to the choir here because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I've at least focused musically where I have, but I feel it because I've been doing like what, what we talked about where I'm not just making music. And in fact, I, I made all the other things to the detriment of music for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like I never, yeah. this is what we were getting at last time. Like I'd never got all the things happening on the music and kept doing the other things so that I could do the music which was part of that theme of that last conversation of like, do the thing for the thing. Like don't, mm -hmm. don't go about to make some, make something, put your energy and time and effort and, and everything into one thing so that you can do another thing because it usually doesn't work. And I've tried it a couple of times in my life. Uh, like over, oh, that's why I started this podcast. Cause I thought I was going to become a film composer. You know, this is how, this is how I'll get people to notice me and ask me to do their music for their films. That's not at all was, you know, like, uh, if anything, yeah. this podcast has, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say the word detriment, but yeah, my music, I, I the, the, my podcast is the main thing and, um, mainly cause it's a weekly thing, but obviously I still really like to do it. Luckily I found a way to make it kind of this microcosm where I can fit my own stuff in it so I can make music and make videos and stuff. But I think when we were talking last, we were talking about this, you know, my struggle with the, the, the difference between like the, the content creation and artists and everything. Yeah. I was like, do I do product demos on YouTube? I was, you know, if you look at my YouTube video history, it's just, it's, there's all sorts of different shit, but recently you'll see, it's like, all right, every video thing I'm doing is now just like, unless it's for work for after later, but my own personal, it's just going to be like short film mixed with live performance or something, Ooh, uh -huh. you know, like, and that's all that I care about doing as far as video goes, because I have to streamline that and do what I like to do and just do that because I was just all over the place and it wasn't going anywhere. So we can always reel it back in and refocus mm -hmm. and we can always Absolutely. just, it's all this iterative process. We just keep going. We notice what's what's working and maybe what's not and and eventually you know i think we find our we find our path some people focus mm -hmm. right from the start and just get good at one thing and do it and it works for them and and then other people like us you know we find our circuitous circuitous things 
And on all of that, you know, these, if you want to call them distractions or deviations from whatever path it is that we think is the path for us, like those are still informing the, the main thing in some way, like even biking yeah. or, or it, you know, it, it all kind of, again, that kind of like trickle down thing. I hate to use that term because, you know, Reagan is such an awesome I know guy. when I used it, I was like, <laughs> what am I referencing here? But that was kind of the, cause it, yeah, it, it doesn't work economically. Like, so no, but, uh, not at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think this new surge of passion that I've, I've got this new fire lit to like where I, I'm back to that feeling where all I think about is putting a patch together. It's all I want to do. I don't want to do, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do anything. I want to patch. Um, wow. I don't even want to go to parties, you know, I don't want to yeah. do fun stuff because I want to patch. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of, I, I wonder if I would have found, if this would have like happened again, had I not got super into painting yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And even though that I'm, you know, the painting isn't like something that I'm going to, you know, hopefully kind of coalesce into a, a passion hobby slash job. Um, I think it's okay to kind of like diverge from your set path for a little bit because you need to recharge those batteries or yes. that part of your brain for a little bit. It needs yes. to soak some more juices up from somewhere else. I think too. I feel that way about the, about mountain biking. I absolutely love mountain biking. It feeds so many parts of me and even talking about this like balance or eye stuff, like as far as eye strain is concerned, it's the best thing for my eyes, at least it seems mm -hmm. that way, because otherwise everything else that I'm doing has to do with f focusing up close. I'm either looking at a screen, I'm looking at a tiny screen that's my phone, or I'm looking at a modular which still is fairly close to your eyes and you're right. not like looking far away. Now, here's the thing that I realized, I watched this YouTube video like a couple of nights ago, same night I watched the Andrew Huang video uh -huh. <laughs> i watched this video of a um some sort of doctor or something talking about eye health and he was talking about like you want to do the pan panoramic vision where you completely relax your eyes and you're looking off into uh the horizon and you're allowing it all in that doesn't happen with mountain biking mountain biking is this like tracking of moving objects it's like scanning out and close far close far close how much yeah. how much attention you have to pay to just that because yeah. you're moving through three-dimensional space with all sorts of things jutting out at you yes all potential things to fall on or to, yes. to endo over you yeah. know so like how how often are you are you really using your depth perception in a like a like frame to frame kind of thing. Yeah. Frames, Always you know, so scanning. That's pretty good. Scanning yeah. far forward. Okay, here's what's coming up. Then glancing down if it's something, you know, considerably challenging that you need to. Otherwise, you kind of scan forward and know that you're going to hit it within a certain amount of time. And you're still scanning forward when you're going over the thing. And you're imagining. <laughs> I thought about this yesterday when I was writing. I was like, I'm now imagining what I just scanned a moment ago, but didn't have to look down at it because I, c I know when it's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, granted, That's these are trails skating. I've ridden before, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And you say to end over endo over something. <laughs> I have a video of myself endoing over this <laughs> rock drop and smashing into a tree and Oof. tearing my rib cartilage. Oh, it was, no. it was early on. I was only a year into riding. And so it's been a, year since then since it happened more than a year since it happened i still haven't healed like it's i have a jutting a rib that juts I'm glad out that, oh no i'm yeah. glad that you still that you like got back on the horse you know oh yeah say, yeah no i mean it, like it especially a year in 
yeah, it kept me off for a little while just because it took a while to heal. And it's again, it's like I said, it's still healing, but I can like I can ride. I just can't like put yeah. a ton of pressure on it. I still have weirdness and and apparently um, rib cartilage. Like once it tears, it doesn't really heal back. And but I just need to still try to take care of some of the like nerve issues and some of the like spasmed yeah. areas that are still in the impact area. But whatever the case, like, yeah. Endoing over things is now a big fear of mine. Cause here, right, what happened is I like, I was going down this rock, rock, rock drop and I was new and I didn't, wasn't really good at doing them. Like nowadays, like I can go off a drop pretty slowly and I know how to give like a little crank, a little pedal push, or mm -hmm. if I have enough momentum, I can just sort of like make sure the nose stays level when I go off. But I thought I didn't have enough speed. And this is the second time I was doing it. I did it fine the first time. I thought I didn't have enough speed. So I tried to stop on top of the rock, but the rock was already had a decline to it before the drop. So I ended up doing an endo off the end oh, and then kept trying to hold the endo. So it, what I should have done is just slam my bike to the ground as soon as I got to the ground to stop my momentum because I was going pretty slowly off the end of it. But then I uh -huh. kept rolling down the hill and oh, kept no. rolling down the hill and went straight <laughs> into a, a really small tree, like one foot diameter, less than one foot diameter. But it caught me right in the side and I caught it right at the bottom, like near the ground. So it was like super firm there. And it was like the worst thing I could have done. It was like the classic, like I, I took like a low consequence, low speed what could have been a low consequence, low speed crash and gain speed and turned it into the <laughs> very worst thing. It was a masterclass in what not I to do. I imagine it was a session ender. Oh yeah. No, I, I barely got home. Um, like I was riding with a friend and he helped me get down the mountain, um, which was quite hard. Cause it was like this black diamond trail and it was kind of, I think it may, may have been the first black diamond, like first like technical black diamond trail I had ridden at that point. <sighs> And so it was steep and it was hard to get down the mountain anyway. And that was the most painful part. Um, but yeah, eventually I made it home. So. I was just wondering, like, is, is Indo like a nineties kid thing? Like for those of you listening yeah. and wondering what we're saying, I think it actually, I've never thought about this, but I imagine it's short for end over end. I think so. Cause it's when you're, you're like doing a nose wheelie or like yeah, on a skateboard, flip, it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, like a yeah. nose ollie, you know, it's like taking an endo and then popping it. So <laughs> it, yeah, I think it comes from like BMX free, like freestyle, you know, bike, then skateboarding. And mm -hmm. nowadays it's used, mountain bikers, I've used that word with them. And, and I don't know if it's because they also come from way back and they use it then, but <laughs> I know there's a technique called a nose pick for, um, uh, for mountain biking, is there is there an, an analogy for skateboarding? Is there a nose? Pick? Well, we don't really say endo so much in in in. It's, it's for oh, it's me like thing? growing up. It yeah. was always it's always a cycle, like a, a bicycle okay. bike tame or or yeah. a motorcycle. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, and I yeah, know because I mean because it's wheels. Like you're gonna, and that's the thing I was gonna say. As, as somebody who's riding the t the way that you're riding. That wasn't your first or last endo, probably. No, no, I've gone know? over the bars like a few times. That's like the thing that happens with bikes. When mountain biking, especially, because you're doing these steep, chunky things, there's mm -hmm. all sorts of places to let your front wheel get caught up. Or if you're not holding strong to the bars and keeping them straight and you land and they go a little crooked, they'll totally throw you over yeah. the bars too. I've <laughs> ended so many times in my childhood. Like, and, and I know it's like, it's a very specific feeling and you know, there's those things, those times where 
something happens really quickly, but your mind thinks so many things along the way. Yeah. Like it's almost like this eternity. Like the time dilation. are just such as long stretches of imagining all the different ways you're going to fuck your body up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes the, the closest way to the ground is the best way. That's what I learned on that. If I could redo that, I would have jumped off the bike or slammed the bike down, you know, but I literally, mm-hmm. okay, so I didn't even explain. So I rode this nose wheelie, but my feet had already fallen off the pedals. So my crotch is like oh, on no. the stem of the bike and I'm riding this nose wheelie just trying to gain, regain composure, trying to do something about it, like trying to not like hurt myself there. And I managed to not hurt myself there, but I ended up slamming my like almost like xiphoid <laughs> process area into the stem as the tree hit me from like the side and behind. Mm. So it's like this pinch thing. Mm. But, but whatever the case, this nose pick thing, I really want to learn. There's this really good writer that I've, I've ridden with. Um, Jason Fitzgibbon uh, is his name. He, he uh, is the part owner of this, company that this hat i'm wearing tillac my neighbor octave is the other uh business partner for that the you know founder okay. of tillac they make these they pretty much make hats anymore they used to make other things but they kept getting cease and desist letters from companies that had the money to you know shut yeah. them down basically right um five panel hats are you know not uh something one can uh, you know, shut down <laughs> like that. They're ubiquitous. But like uh, Jason, when I've ridden with him, he is the kind of rider that can take a really tight descending switchback, like a Z shape, you know, mm-hmm. that has a really sharp turn that I've you never kinda, understood how that works. You, yeah, you can't do it on the bike. So the way you do it is you go up into a nose wheelie and you use your weight to move your tail around while it's in the air and rotate and then and that's what he'll do and there's like places where you could fall like really far and he just has so much control so that's when i want to learn how to do that that's a, it's on my like list of things to learn how to do get comfortable endoing <laughs> Oh, well, we lo- I think uh, we should get into this patch because Let's we're already it. almost at an hour. And, I know. Uh, we always just, yeah. I always just talk forever. <laughs> it's Me amazing too. how it's, it's... the focus of today where it's been too. But, uh, but yeah, so th- this patch, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Let me, um, I'm going to do something here first. I'm going to unplug the power from Norns because Norns is what is running color wheel. And I'm going to... That keeps the the wine, the electrical wine, from happening because when you use a monom grid, it has so many LEDs that they go through the electrical current, and you get this like different oh, really? pitches of. It doesn't happen with all systems, but my current system is surely happening on. Um, and I think it's the the TG thirty three, the Yamaha tone generator, that is picking it up. But um, yeah, depending on which page I'm on, it can make different pitches and different. Um, like loudness, uh, you know, different volumes of, of that wine. So I, so I have a, a battery running now. It only lasts, I've learned for about two hours, uh, okay. learned that on All that right. two hour stream, which shut down on me at the end of it. So <sighs> I can, um, bring the volume up in a second, but first let's bring all of these volumes down and let it kind of, Wait, you don't get the wine if you use a battery? Yeah, if you're not powering with AC power, mm. you're fine. So there we go. That was a little bit of the reverb from before, from the things. So this system, I am stoked. This is like, I feel like this is my best performance system yet. I fit so much functionality into this rack, and it's going to be even more functionality fit once I have four dual daggers 
in this case <laughs> because it's a stereo filter uh-huh. that can be variable width bandpass. It has a separate low pass and high pass, separate high pass and low pass cutoffs, which is what I love to use. I love to use variable width bandpass filters because you can mimic a low pass, a high pass, or a bandpass, or any width in between mm-hmm. quickly and easily and immediately. So it's kind of like the the ultimate DJ filter, in, in my opinion. Because a lot of times I'll just be like, this sound is great. I just need a little bit less less lows in it. This sound is mm-hmm. great. It's just a little too crispy. And so I can you know, have a stereo version of that on any voice. Right now, I don't have a bunch of stereo filters. I have two Belgrads for my just friends voice which sounds like this just have to give it a second to come in so here's the just friends voice which by the way you are hearing right now right yes i am okay good to check and i have like offsets controlling the cutoff on both of them and then i can set different cutoff for left and right by just turning one of the frequency knobs on one of them and then I have the width, the span controlled too so I can narrow way down to a tiny band pass or I can widen it you know so mm-hmm. yeah, that's I, I absolutely love that kind of approach um, I've got a sister's filtering mono in its variable with bandpass mode, which is when you set the switch to crossover and you go in and out of the center channel, you will then end up with that. I just have some bells on this, which I want to leave on because they're kind of on a vibe right now. And I think that's what I'm going to mm-hmm. use when I play. So I can't exactly um, show how the filtering is affected because it's kind of, you know, uh, minimal. And mm-hmm. uh, then I've got. Um, the Katowice, which is the um, Chaos Devices stereo variable band isolator. So there's no resonance, but it um, can be a variable width bandpass, again, if you use the mid channel. So if you go into okay. the inputs and you come out of the mid, you can then use the, um, what's that control called? It's literally just called Hertz, basically the cutoff control um okay. for as normal cutoff and then the octave control as your span control your width of that of that band and so that's um that is filtering uh let's see which one that's filtering the TG33 so let's listen to that um so that's just like a like a what like a three band EQ type module It's kind of like or? three band EQ but it's really isolating those bands for different outputs so there's a high output there's a low output and there's a mid output and you can isolate those with like uh, crossover frequency style things, oh, like okay. crossover bands. Okay. And so if you use only the mid, that width is variable because it's taking the high crossover point and the low crossover point and moving them farther apart or closer together. So um, so that's like a 10 HP way of getting, uh, you know, stereo variable width bandpass filtering. Though I'm, again, I'm pretty stoked to, to start using the 6HP version that Shackman yeah. has. So, uh, and then that's going into a Mimeo phone. So just so I can get some like delays and sort of reverbish kind of effects. Let me just like switch around to some other tone. And this is what is so cool about the, the TG33. This is like this, it's from the, is it from the 80s or 90s? I don't quite remember when it came out. It's an older desktop synth 
it's kind of like a rompler. You just go through and there's a bunch of um, different types of patches that okay. use vector synthesis, so there's like, like a joystick. So you can- Is there a rack mount version of one of these? They might, I... probably under a different name that is slightly different. You know how a lot of companies would do that? You know, they would like make sort of a version of, of an older thing. I don't know for sure, but this is the one I'm most used to. Uh, I first saw I first saw it when um, Ged when M Geddes Jengris uh, was using it years ago. Um, I think like played by the Squart Pyramid or something. I think he's been using that. Okay. And then Cool Maritime has been using it lately in his sets. He just did an ambient church in Seattle. I oh, think it was. Okay. I missed um, that. Oh, I wish I could have gone to that, even though I'm only six hours from Seattle now. But I just <laughs> I had too much going on at that point. But um, that's a show I regret not seeing. But um, yeah, it seemed awesome. I saw clips from it. Uh, yeah, but he's been using that too. So I'm a fan of this. I I bought this off of David Rothbaum. If you're familiar with um, yeah uh, David, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I'm grateful to David for giving me a deal on this <laughs> so his old tg so i've got that and it's into that and then the last thing i've got the morphogene going into uh disting and disting is not variable with bandpass but i'm using the dj filter i love so that, that dj I can, filter on that exactly thing. so you can awesome. high pass or let in some of the, the lows so that's just like you know it's not quite as great as what dual dagger is going to offer but it's it still lets me like pull out the lows when i need or pull out the highs when i need and so that's morphogene into the dj filter into uh clouds and then yeah go ahead are you like sequencing the uh the shift or anything or are you just kind of relying on that um to like to like switch between pieces of your set you or mean the morphogene you... yeah oh man i'm doing all sorts of stuff one of the main things is gene size and slide. Uh-huh. So I'll use both of those to, let's even just do this now. So let's bring the filter down, to get a little bit more of this. So by moving gene size and slide, mm -hmm. so here I'm not moving it. And we're there, right? Right, yeah. So, so I can find those different areas. Are you recording like so? Like for this particular uh, splice on Morphogene, is this like um, like just a steady, steady note or chord, but then has like timbral uh, differences, and that's kind of what we're getting we're, we're like for when we're scanning through on the slide and and, and getting different grand grains of. Or... Great question. Great question. Let's reveal it. Here <laughs> is gene size at the bottom, so it plays the full okay. loop. Here's the loop starting from the beginning. Take a listen. Okay. So it's like chordal stuff on Summit mm -hmm. using one of my patches from the Summit patches, Peak and Summit patches. It's probably the Enobath one. And then I've got some piano in there that pokes itself in occasionally. And I've organized it such that this is the real, this is green, number three, uh, called Synth and Piano, and it's basically in the D-Lydian sort of thing. So okay. I know what the elements are, 
based off of color because you know you have to like uh -huh. have a list when you're using anything make noise like this because you either have to have a good memory or whatever because there's not there's right. not a screen right uh -huh. so I've got my little list here and it tells me what key it's in so then I can match up with this and that's how I'm organizing my set I basically just choose a morphogene reel who knows which one mm -hmm. and then I match up keys you know that's hilarious stuff. you remember i told you i'm finding my way of making music right now i do literally like the, the exact same thing with, with morphogene um i'm just playing like my either my hydrosynth or my yamaha, yamaha cp reface i pick a mode and a you know like a root note and a mode and then just put that in there yeah and then yeah and then my friend who plays piano i'm like okay this piece is in f Phrygian or, or whatever, you know, like jam over it. And then I just, yeah, that's nice. hilarious. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's, that's totally it. F Phrygian, that's like D flat major. Whoa, dude. I just picked two things at random. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. if those things technically work. But. <laughs> it's great on piano. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I mean, so you can hear how this, this sound gets turned into this. And then even this. Give it a sec. To start seeding the high stuff. Well, it's not doing it. All I did was turn morph. There we go. Turn morph all the way up. But, you know, you've got that, and then I can do this with it. I can repitch clouds that's going on there. I can change splices. Oh, this particular one has only one splice all in one key. But I made other, okay. uh, like, loops, reels, rather, with multiple splices, and each splice was in a different key. So oh, like nice. certain okay. colors have like different keys moving through the circle of fifths so then I can just move around my organized control if I want to like change keys. And sometimes mm -hmm. like multiple keys will work uh, over what I'm using and so I can take like a like let's let's use an example here. Um let me move to how about let's see if this is one of them. I think this is. Yeah. So here's like this harp that I've got and in this one, looks like we're on uh, the first reel is silent. So I can stop it because it's hard to stop uh -huh. morphogene. Yeah, so you yeah. make a silent <laughs> splice. It's not first reel, first splice. So you make a silent splice. First splice. Here is a key of C. Next splice, key of G. Next splice, key of D. So now... So I can switch. There we go. See how it changed tonality and change again. But now there are different spaces. Oh, that's the silent one. But there are different spaces in these reels. So like, it's even possible to get silence during the reel sometimes. Mm -hmm. We're just tiny little drones. But yeah, but I want to go back to, let's go back to this first green because that was sort of a vibe. I might want to might want to use this uh, with what I play here in a moment. So other than that, then there's just a tides, a new tides that's being enveloped by a cascade. And that is usually bass, usually some low okay. stuff. And those are my voices. So I've got like uh, polysynth, just friends, got a rings, got a tides bass got the morphogene and then through midi from color wheel i've got the tg 33 
And by the way, let me put TG33 back to its other patch. There we go. So yeah, and I can like bring up my probability sliders on the 16N to either silence, mute the tracks or have it 100% or anywhere in between. And then I've got these other banks of sliders that is a color wheel thing that set, um, then it's sort of like marbles. Uh, let me look at the name of the parameter. I keep forgetting steps. Sort of like the steps control on marbles where I carve the scales down from like a full scale to like just root and fifth or something like that. So you can okay. limit the harmonic complexity of any one particular uh, sequence. And then I can um, change keys, rotate keys, uh, two keys up and down in the circle of fifths, forward and backward in the circle of fifths for any individual um, uh, voice. And then I can also offset those voices by fifth uh, an octave this way, sounding like this. Let's just, so if I have the synth going like this, I can go. So now it's playing like an octave up. Now it's playing only a fifth up. Now it's playing in the center. Here, if I, if I do it with some short notes, you'll, you'll probably hear it. It'll be easier to hear it. Let's just do that. Here. Oops. One moment. Sequence is going kind of slow right now. Here, I'll speed it up. Okay, so you have that. I can go up a fifth. And I can go up an octave. So I can also just <laughs> wiggle it around and get all sorts of activity happening. So, yeah, Color Wheel is awesome. And I'm really loving the fact that uh, William Brewer is taking all of the effort it takes to develop this thing and so it's a Norns script that you can get so if you own a Norns or a Norns shield you can just get color wheel straight from Maiden from the, the browser you know thing that where you get all of your scripts from that people have made and you can load it up and try it out and it just requires a grid it doesn't require anything but there's good luck trying to make music on it without a monome grid at least <laughs> but I like having a monome grid and a 16n because page two of the of the grid page uh, or page three possibly of the next version but um, is all of those 16n controls but I like having physical sliders instead of buttons on a grid for that but yeah so that's that's the main idea. Uh, that's my super long-winded version, and it's just controlling the uh, the modular through Crow. So I have a Crow. So I basically uh, we have um, the Norns, and then uh, Crow is connected to it, and then there are two uh, gate CV pairs coming out of Crow that control two of the voices in the case, and then it is able to control just friends through the I2C bus behind the scenes. So I can control three voices with it and then the fourth voice is controlled via midi so i have four mm -hmm. voices of control over it so with okay it from it so that's how it that's, works so like i'm i'm i don't want to use the word i was like okay so i was gonna say when you're playing this patch live but it's more like when you're conducting i feel like yeah. patches are more conductors than when you're conducting this patch live like you're you know it's gonna how much is it gonna change from venue to venue and like you're, 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 you're reading the vibe of the room and your particular mood and like what what's all going into these yeah you have so many decisions that you could make and there and and i feel like it seems like there there could be some like improv uh 
element to 100%. those choices being made. Yeah. It's all Is improvised. That kinda... Yeah, at this yeah. point, it's all improvised. Before, you know, I've got a week now until, or or wait, more than a week. I've got uh, like a week and a half until this uh, set in Seattle at the chapel space. Uh, and I didn't mention before, but Giselle, Gabrielle. Um, oh, Giselle's awesome. Is playing uh, before me. Uh, I mm-hmm. absolutely love her music. I've been following Giselle's music for forever now, it seems. Um, I'm sure there will be some Buchla zones for that. And then yeah. Duffy Kingsolver, Planner Drift, is playing uh, before the both of us. So as I'm getting ready for this, I might organize a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not as concerned about trying to make sure I have an organization. Like I was talking with Jonathan last night, um, what we talk about is his artist name, what we talk about, WWTA. He... Um, is getting ready for uh, this week's Basement State show, I think. Mm-hmm. He's doing some sort of performance. I can't remember what it's for. And uh, he has his set linearly organized. There's mm-hmm. zones, and he improvises within those zones, but he's choosing, I'm doing this, then I'm doing this, then I'm doing this. You know. And I don't tend mm-hmm. to go do as well that way. Like Most of my good sets are, are just improvised, but I have sort of prepared things that will sound different every time I do them, but I know them as a general move, and it's kind of a combination. So what I want to get better at is knowing exactly what the vibe is with which morphogene reels and which are my favorites and which have the feel that I want, and then coming up with maybe slight combinations of, oh, well, you know, this morphogene reel reel works really well with this particular TG33 patch, and then I can do like a bell sound on rings at the same time, and that makes a vibe. So that's kind of a song then. Now I have almost a song happening. Right, yeah. And that's what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to aim for right now is to try to get almost songs. Like I want to get better at like... I'm with you. Having certain elements like organized in a way. Um, So like one of the things that I'll try to do here during this, in this performance, I'm going to use at least two different morphogene reels. I use this first one with a synth that you heard that I showed, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to switch to a field recording and do something that I figured out. That was what happened in that second hour zone of this blast radio stream, the last one on the 15th. And it, I was taking just this field recording I made and speeding up these birds, and they were they turned into like hummingbirds, and it was the coolest feeling. <laughs> nice, so I'll nice. see if I can get some of that. Um, but but yeah, you know, I mean, it that my process is to just get better at at like memorizing what does what so that I can recall in the moment whatever feels right. And those decisions mm-hmm. in the moment will either be based off of, yeah, like you said, reading the room or whatever. But a lot of times, like at this point, when I don't even have everything memorized, I will literally just throw the dice. I'll just be like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to pick this reel. Let's see what happens. Oh, that's that. Yeah. Okay, cool. And just think on my toes and just like, you know, move, move, at, be agile and just try to go. So, but it does tend to work well when I have some sort of combination that works. And so what's happening right now is basically everybody is in their settings that they were in on the last vibe that I had. So it's already a vibe. Mm -hmm. So now Uh I'm going to start with that. And I don't really remember exactly the vibe and I don't know exactly what it's going to do. So we'll (laughs) see how it gets presented. So it ends up sounding different every time. And if you listen to the archive I have of, uh, for my Patreon, I have... Uh, these blast radio streams archived in a in like a SoundCloud playlist, you know, for okay. like octahedra okay. and above. There's the kind of the octahedra level. Octahedron level is this thing where, you know, I have like a studio process um, uh, playlist on SoundCloud with just little clips from me messing around the studio. And then there's this, and sort of the it's it's like the audio tier 
it's like get get the stuff that way but because you know when you're on blast radio you, you only can catch a live performance uh for 24 hours which by the way anybody that's listening follow me on blast radio it's just blastradio.com slash light bath you know yeah, um, i'm gonna look th- into that that way you get uh notifications and, and you also don't need a blast box to um this hardware unit to uh to broadcast you can use their plug-in in a daw or you can use their uh like computer app um that that works just fine too so you know yeah it's, it's cool okay all right should i play some music yeah let's play some music okay cool Please pardon the interruption, but let me tell you about a wizard I know. A magus? Magus? Is it magus or magus? Either way, Nathan Moody is a mastering engineer over at Obsidian Sound. I have had three projects mastered by Nathan, one of which has not been released yet, so I'm excited about that, but one of which you're hearing a piece of right now. That's right, the Mystery Circles Presents Podular Modcast and Friends album was mastered by Nathan Moody at Obsidian Sound. In fact, I believe the entire Mystery Circles catalog, or at least a an astronomical percentage of releases over there, mastered by Nathan Moody. And chances are, some of your favorite modular albums have been mastered by Nathan Moody at Obsidian Sound. Nathan has mastered thousands of songs and hundreds of albums for independent artists, labels, professional composers, and game studios. He's worked with such modular artists as Akila Dom, B-Boy Tech, Heinbach, Evo Ivanov, Gerald Fjord, Todd Barton, Travarsi, R. Benny, um, yours truly, I just mentioned that. Nathan is a modular artist himself, I've seen him live, amazing, um, and focuses on preserving artistic intent above all else. He also offers mixed reviews for those needing a fresh, objective set of ears. That, I think, is worth the price of admission alone right there. I've taken advantage of that. You know, as somebody who mixes my own stuff, you need some of that mix review because we're not all mixing engineers like, you know, like Hugo over there at Tiny Crush Mixing. Ah, shout out to Hugo. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're doing stuff yourself, it's really nice to have Nathan to take some time to listen to it and give you some pointers because you, you want to get it in the best shape possible before you send it over to him because, you know, you can only, well, I'm not going to use that old saying, but you probably know where I was going to go. So back to the task at hand, if you're looking for an experienced partner to help make your release leap out of the speakers, visit obsidiansound.net. If you mention that you heard about Nathan at PodMod, you'll get 10% off your first mastering project. Again, that's obsidiansound.net.
that was that was vibe. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So I can't wait to hear uh, the the recording that's not over Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Because it's to hear the full <laughs> fidelity. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. No, that sounds awesome, and uh, and the show may sound something like that or may sound nothing like exactly. that. Exactly. Who knows? Depend, right? Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> but, you know, um, <laughs> I'll give a little bit more uh, insight into what was what was happening. So I basically had this sequence going with Just Friends that at first was like a pad. All six voices were overlapping over one another to make this sort of polychordal kind of thing. And then eventually I sped things up and I made it pointed, so it had a, a fast attack, and so it was a normal sequence, and then I sped it all up so it was doing a thing, and I transposed it around and then gave it a bunch of reverb and let it just overtake, and then I used that sort of moment to sleight of hand switch the morphogene reel, because now the focus was mm-hmm. over on the synth, to switch the morphogene reel over from that pad kind of thing over to the field recording and then was like granularizing that and brought the bells in, pulled out the bass. There was just a moment where I was like, oh, the bass dropped out. Perfect. Let me mute that channel. So now that was like an intentional bass, you know, cut and moved over to that and just let the bells be all granularized switched over my TG33 to just a random other patch. I wasn't actually sure exactly how that patch sounds. I have another <laughs> list that I'm not using during this. I didn't use because it's just on the computer. It's like in a Trello card. That's um, all the different TG patches that I like and a semi-description of what they are. Um, so I just uh-huh. like switched to a random thing. I was like, hey, I hope that works. And that was, that was this, um, which kind of matched well with the these the bells that were happening oh the bells here we go that were happening from rings and fully granularized by beads here all right there we go Mm -hmm. so that stuff was happening you know and that kind of fit nicely with it while the the insects were while the insects were doing their thing over here Oh, that's cool. Which is so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm like really into this. And that's all right, right now with like Cloud's reverb, but if I pull that out, it's still very cool. And then you hear just the natural reverb of the space that the birds were in. Uh-huh. So, and then as I change density on Cloud's, I can get that kind of stuff versus fully smeared. I could have changed the texture. Right. There we go. I forgot about that. <laughs> if I bring texture over here, I get the really cool stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, good stuff. Love the possibilities. Well, it's cool, too, like, to, to, to have you kind of lead up to it, perform it, and then kind of talk about specific things there because that, that switch is something that I clocked and really liked how you did it. And um, I think that's, that's a key to a, a good performance or a good performer is, is knowing how to, cause you, there was a part of it where you, you had intention where you're okay. I'm going to, I'm going to change my envelope, make this more point, more pointed. It seems like you maybe sped up the, the sequence or further, further granularized uh, a part. And that was when you made your switch. So like you said, like a slide of hand, but then also being aware of the changing patch around you to be able to clock that the base had dropped out and to take advantage of 
that like all of those things together are like that's and it's and it's then all of that is kind of you can learn from things like this this conversation that we're having i'm sure a lot of people listening will try to Im- implement some of this but a lot of that's learned through just experience and just doing I, it i really do think it is because you, you remember like i don't know if we talked about this before but i i was an improviser with guitar for like more than a decade before like you know 15 mm-hmm. years before i got into modular so like that that's just honed over time like improvising with other musicians and a lot of it is and i never dj'd but a lot of it feels kind of like djing where you got to know when it's time to like change the vibe and that's really what i think mm-hmm. the, the majority of these sets what it's about and that's why i don't plan it out linearly because i'm never really sure where each thing is going to go and you've got mm-hmm. to honor that vibe like you have your seeds but the seeds don't really matter as much as how you nurture them in real time to to grow them you know with the audience you know yeah yeah and it's and it's cliche to say at this point but it's you know it's it's because it's true but i think one of the key things to becoming good at improvisation is is learning to listen but not just to the music that's happening or the people you're playing with, but also like listening to, you know, maybe not with your ears, but like the vibe of the yeah. room and, and the, you know, what are people, you know, and it's just like, it's a lot to, it's a lot to be able to keep track of and then, um, and then take action upon in real time. So, you know, it's just practice, practice, practice. That was what was so interesting about the long form two hour thing that I did because I wasn't as concerned about moving quickly. Like usually if I'm Mm -hmm. doing a 30 minute set or an hour set, like I'm doing an hour, I think I'm doing an hour set at the chapel space. And so I, I think I've stepped more into comfort the comfort zone of playing an hour. I'm pretty sure I can play an hour now pretty easily. Whereas before, like with modular, like back when I was doing modular on the spot and those Moogfest gigs and stuff, like the first Moogfest, like 2018, like 30, 40 minutes was my maximum. Like I tapped out and I tried to keep things moving really fast. I would like change to this and now mm-hmm. I got to change to this. And I didn't let anything really sit for too long because I felt that my tendency was to I'd listen back and I'd be like, oh, I wish I would have moved on right there. So then I I took what that sort of like weakness was, my like oversight, my natural oversight. And I was just like, well, then I'm just going to make sure I'm always moving. And so I get this little feeling like something needs to change. So I just act on it and I make a change. It doesn't even, I don't know what even the change, a lot of time I don't, a lot of times when I know I need to make a change, I don't know what the change is going to be. I just, it doesn't matter. You just do something Mm -hmm. and then you flow with that and you see where where that takes you. I have a tendency to make changes too quickly or so I'm told um, by people who watch me play live or listen to my music. So I've always set a rule yeah. with myself that when I feel like it's time to change something, let it go another eight, acknowledge that, bars. let it go a few more measures yeah. and then do my See, change. that's cool. Yeah, it, yeah. You're doing this. We're doing the same thing just from different sides, mm-hmm. but yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. Though it was, um, it was kind of cool to like sit in those zones on the playback of that long form, making me wonder if I would be able to extend things more. It depends on the energy. Like it depends if it's supposed to, and I, I like branded that stream, that broadcast as a super slow long form. So therefore Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. was known. And it depends, like it depends on what Giselle brings, Giselle Garcia, what she brings. Um, I don't know if, her artist name if she she's gonna bring the heat i know seriously (laughs) well that's the thing and so giselle gabrielle is is the artist name name on instagram okay gotcha yeah Yeah. um good yeah yeah that's instagram link great so uh you know it's gonna be depending on what vibe she has set up in the room before me partially you know i i don't know Mm -hmm. i mean but Mm -hmm. it will be a sit down show in a an old chapel 
and it's the best space. It's such a cool yeah, space with projections too, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. like ambient yeah. church. Brian, is Brian doing the? Is he doing the the visuals? Who's uh, Brian Hair Barrett? Shield? Is he doing the? Oh, I think is that. It's so hard to keep track. I either only know people's performing names or their real yeah. names. Yeah, so I don't know if that's know... Brian, but that's who's <laughs> on the flyer. I know, I know Brian. That's not Brian's like performing name musically, but I don't know if he has a different name for his visual stuff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that. And tickets. But there's good. There's there's people in in Seattle who do awesome visual stuff. But Brian in particular is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look forward to just meeting Brian in in, in person. So what I should mention, you know, tickets. Yeah. You'll probably have it. Maybe I don't know if you'll do a tickets. Oh no, you can't do a tickets link because it'll be after the fact. So there's I no, will, but I'm going to no promote it. Yeah next week okay. on episode 200 with with uh tony Rolando. oh very so, cool oh that's awesome yeah so so people will will hear about it oh and um, 200 so i just more... missed 200 huh yeah you're gonna be 201 i like 201 <laughs> that's good <laughs> i'm into that i'll be after tony yeah i'll follow tony yeah no i think that's I, thought, I mean it's it's gonna help me it's a it's a pretty good stacked week so yeah yeah um Right on. Well, um, I appreciate taking all this time to to run us through all this stuff and everything. Um, are there any other links that you want to point people to? I mean, I'm sure everybody listening knows who you are at this point and follows all your stuff, but in case they don't. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Instagram, I'm currently underscore, underscore light bath. Not to be confused with the light bath, underscore, underscore person that I found recently. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So we'll see if that still oh exists. I don't know, but uh, they are not me. I am not them. Uh, you know, I've got my Patreon. That's a big, just like you with your show. Patreon is what keeps mm-hmm. it keeps it all working, keeps it all running. It's it's yeah. the it's the ground. It's the foundation that the other you know revenue streams can build off of. So Patreon is a huge thing for me, especially because I use it for teaching. And so I, yeah. I put all students except for one student that I meet with that doesn't, that isn't part of the synth thing. So they don't really need mm-hmm. the benefits from the community that I've got with the discord access that happens and all the bonus content that comes with Patreon with that way. But otherwise like, yeah, uh, l- patreon.com slash light bath. It's a good spot. You know, I've got my band camp. I just, you know, I released, uh, the medicine is the awakening, which was, a an old set with an old friend up in New Hampshire, another long form set that we edited down to 30 minutes. Um, and it was sort of like a sound bath kind of thing. Uh, this is the keyboard player that uh, plays with Bing and Ruth, uh, not David Moore, okay. who is Bing and Ruth's composer, but um, the alternate keyboard uh, who will be, I think in, in the new version of the next iteration of Bing and Ruth for the next album. Uh, they record on 4AD. Their last album was a trio record. It was amazing with organ, uh, with like a Farfisa organ and then bass and clarinet. And mm. now they're going to add on uh, my friend Mike uh, too. But I released that. Uh, that was a set that I had played in January of 2019, I think. Yeah, 2019. So that was right after I had done the full new thing with Emily the Emily Sprague the previous summer so there's a lot of that case that's on Bandcamp if you're if you're interested you know everything's on lightbath.com anyway uh even the I don't think Blast Radio I have linked from there but yeah you know you'll you'll find it I'll throw I'll throw all the the relevant links in the show description so thanks. if you're looking for it listener that's where it is and uh yeah thanks so much man. thanks Tim so much fun. Oh, always fun thanks for having me on again all right, that's our show. Thank you so much to Brian, a.k.a. Lightbath, for coming back. Uh, also, thank you for listening to the show. Uh-oh, my window's open. Ah, it's just the outro. Who cares? Um, what else? 
Check out Patchworks, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com and After Later Audio. Keep an eye out on After Later. Um, I put some new videos up recently on the YouTube there about ornament and crime and temps utile. More to come. Uh, what else? Thank you to Zorks. Check out that CV bus, that 1U CV bus and CV bus expander. Um, you probably need an album mastered if you've just finished it, right? Head over to obsidiansound.net. Nathan Moody will take care of you. I think that's all I got for you this week. This week's um, uh, this week's secret word for the Instagram post is rabbit. Saw a lot of rabbits this weekend. A, a lot of rabbits. Until next week. <laughs>